Are you thinking about getting diagnosed and wondering if it's worth it? And what happens after you get diagnosed? Then what? If any of those are questions that you're wondering about, today's episode is for you. Hello everybody and welcome to Neurodiversity Support Podcast. I am your host Annika, a local neurodivergent and neurodiversity specialist. Today we are talking about the five things that you can expect to happen after you get diagnosed as neurodivergent. Now firstly, if you got diagnosed as neurodivergent, welcome to the club. We're happy to have you. This is a fun place to be. But let's talk about what happens during diagnosis, specifically speaking about what people expect diagnosis to be. Now unfortunately, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but the diagnosis itself is not the magic wand that we expect it to be. It doesn't solve all of our problems. It's not the rainbow. It's not the trumpets and parade that fixes all of our problems. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. What happens is that people expect the diagnosis itself to be that. They expect it to be the magic wand that fixes all the problems, but it's not. And then they experience quite a bit of frustration with the five things that happens after diagnosis that they didn't expect. And that is why it's important for us to talk about what can you expect after your diagnosis so that you're prepared for it. So the first thing that happens after you get diagnosed, and any neurodivergent knows the first thing that you do after anything is hyperfixate on that condition. So what would happen is you would have this deep, deep, deep dive into your neurodiversity and into that diagnosis that you received, figuring out how it presents. What's the best diet for my diagnosis? What's the best clothing I must wear? Should I exercise? What is health like for people with ADHD? Where should I go for school? Where does it and you start doing kind of dangerously deep dive into your neurodiversity? And sometimes the danger with that is that not everything that you find on the internet is accurate. And so there can be some anxiety that's bred there and some um, worries that shouldn't be fostered right in that very moment. But it is part of the process and that does tend to happen. And if you're prepared for it, then you're on the side of caution. So the second thing that happens is this phase of mourning. And the reason for this is it's actually quite multi-layered why people go through this phase of mourning. The first and the saddest reason, in my opinion, is that they were raised or are surrounded in a not-so-supportive environment for neurodivergence. So there's this feeling of stigma and shame for their diagnosis, and so they have to really like process the fact that they got diagnosed as neurodivergent. And many people say, oh, oh I'm sorry. But I'd say congratulations, welcome to the club, this is amazing. But because of this environment that people find themselves in, they feel like they got a death sentence in a way or that they got some illness diagnosis and it's not that bad a thing, right? But because of the environment that they find themselves in or perhaps because of the suggested period that they've experienced throughout their childhood, they feel like this is a terrible thing that's happened to them. So they really feel like they're processing something deep, something heavy, something terrible. But it's not something terrible and we know it's not something terrible. So if you got diagnosed recently, let me be the first to say congratulations and welcome to the club. So the second reason why people are experiencing this deep sense of mourning 
is because I feel a sense of guilt and shame for the way that they treated themselves and their neurodiversity when they didn't know that they were neurodivergent. It was the period before diagnosis where they were too harsh on themselves or where they were too critical in the way that they responded and the way that they masked their neurodiversity without realizing that they are actually neurodivergent. And so people go through this revaluation of everything that happened in their life and every bad thing and memory that they have. And they're like, oh no, was that my neurodiversity that happened there? And they really think about everything and they go through this period of shame and mourning for all the times that they did themselves a disservice. And I will say on a sidebar, this is very prevalent for parents, especially mums, that when the child is diagnosed, they feel that sense of shame of, oh, I was too strict with him, that was his neurodiversity, oh, I could have done this, why didn't I? And they feel very guilty for not being the mother they thought they could. And I'm going to comfort you with Maya Angelou's words, when you know better, do better. And at that stage, you didn't know. So you can't take on guilt that's not yours to take because you didn't know and you didn't do it on purpose. So don't do not do that, okay? That's unfair. Don't take on guilt that doesn't belong to you. And the other reason why people mourn and feel guilty is because they think, geez, I thought I was X, Y, and Z person. But is it me? Or is it actually now my neurodiversity? Because they just came fresh off of a deep dive of many people saying how the neurodiversity presents. And now they realize, that's me, that's me, that's me. So is that my personality? Or is that my neurodiversity? And then there's this little shift in, wait, if that's my neurodiversity, who am I actually? And if I've been masking all this time, who would I be without masking? So it's really this rigmarole of who am I now? Authentically me, who am I? Okay, and before I move on to number three, I'm just going to say the last thing. A big component that happens during this morning phase is a massive sense of letdown stress. If you've gone through an entire lifetime of masking your neurodiversity, you are exhausted, you are tired, you don't know who you are at this point, and when you get the diagnosis and you realize there's nothing wrong with you, you're not lazy, you're not rude for interrupting, you're not disorganized, you just have neurodiversity. There's this sense of relief and this sense of letdown stress where you just need to mourn all those negative things that you've been carrying your entire life that came from trying to mask neurodiversity and not accommodating your needs. So that's, it's, a, it's a difficult emotion that's very complex to process and move through. And it's my advice that you give yourself the time to acknowledge those feelings because the feelings are important because they are valid. Because it, it, it was difficult and it was a tough one. Right. So number three is then the beautiful rainbow that we've been waiting for. And that is when you start to reinvent yourself. That is when you figure out, so if I'm not going to be masking my neurodiversity, who am I really? What am I like? Okay, so if I've been masking as an academic all my life, pretending I am paying attention, but I can't actually... What would I be like if I actually accommodated my neurodiversity? Why would I study if I acknowledge my neurodiversity? 
what would I be like in relationships, in friendships? And you start thinking about every single facet of your life now that you're no longer forcing yourself into the square box of the neurotypical world anymore. So it's a beautiful process of rebirthing and getting to know yourself. This is the phase that's the most beautiful because it's you getting to know yourself. There's a song in my head now that I'm not going to sing. Okay. So it's beautiful and I advise people to take your time to really get to know yourself. Ease into it. Settle into it. Be gentle with yourself. You know? And then that automatically leads on to the fourth one, which is accommodating and supporting your neurodiversity. Now, if you're reinventing yourself, that means you have to be introducing the accommodations and the support that your neurodiversity needs. If you're an academic, that includes getting extra time, getting the scribe or the reader. And many times the diagnosis itself will have those recommendations of accommodations in there. But it's not just those formal ones, it's also the informal ones like having a timetable on the wall in the home or etc. But as you get to know yourself and your neurodiversity and the needs that you have, you will start to get those accommodations be revealed to you of, oh, I can do this to help myself. Now, I will say this, it's a process, it takes time, and sometimes, actually most times, the neurodivergent themselves need some professional guidance on how to accommodate and support and develop skills that can help them to manage their neurodiversity. I'm not talking about professional Google. I'm talking about professional professionals. The reason why Google is a little bit iffy for me because sometimes it's not very accurate and sometimes they make people scared because they're saying things that are a little bit extreme, but thanks for your service, Google. But I will say going to a neurodiversity support therapist, life changer. Reason why they help you to get those accommodations that fit within your life, within your needs, within your routines, the neurodiversity support therapist are there to have developed the skills that you need as a neurodivergent to be able to thrive as your authentic self instead of going back to your old ways of masking and saying, oh, no, don't worry, no, no, it's fine. But to say, this is me. I, I have these needs and I need to do this because it's going to be better for me and that's okay. And that leads us on to the fifth and final and most important one is self-advocacy. That's when the sun is shining, you're happy, you're dancing in the flower fields because that's when you say, I am neurodivergent and I'm proud to be neurodivergent. I don't mind the stigmas because it doesn't apply to me. I know I am beautifully made the way I am. And that's when you start advocating for your needs, your emotional needs, your social needs, that is when you start purging the things in your life that are not meeting your neurodivergent self, that is not accommodating and not advocating for your neurodiversity. That's, and many people do report to have social purging where they realize there's many people in their life that's actually not supportive and actually has a very negative tone towards them, then they, they say they actually start to purge those friendships and, and the energy starts being drawn of people that are advocating, that are saying, good job, you neurodivergent, congratulations on your diagnosis, because self-advocacy is the point of departure 
to reaching your full potential and to being happy and to be fulfilled because narrative diversity is a tough ride, but it's a beautiful one and you can do it. Now, if you know that these five things are coming after your diagnosis, you prepared. You know I'm going to hyperfixate. You know I'm going to mourn myself. You know I'm going to have to reinvent myself. You know you have to figure out your accommodations. And you know, number five, that you have to start becoming yourself, your advocate of self. Then you prepared. And then you're not like, but why wasn't my diagnosis the solution I was looking for? Now you know. Okay, so I'm excited for you. If you're about to get diagnosed, go and do it. It's a beautiful process. The process of the diagnosis is beautiful and it's fulfilling and it's necessary so that you can embody. Ugh, no, jeez, I'm speaking nonsense. Getting diagnosed is a beautiful process and a necessary one so that you can embrace your neurodivergency and reach your full potential as a happy, beautiful neurodivergent. And we're so happy to have you in our community. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Okay, so if you enjoyed this episode, I'll see you next week for another interview of a neurodivergent. Um, in South Africa, we're so excited. If you would like to be the next guest that is interviewed, um, if you're newly diagnosed, we'd love to have you too. And uh, just a reminder to join our Facebook Neurodiversity Support Group where we talk and chat as neurodivergents of South Africa. We'd love to have you. Have a lacquer evening and we chat next week. Bye.